Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Day three of the 12 days of Spawnmas, which means we're up to issue number three. So if you didn't join us for uh, the first day or the second day, first of all, let me say shame on you. Uh, and secondly, what are we doing here, right? So I have always uh, felt like not reading Spawn, not not reading every issue of Spawn has been a little bit of a hole in my, my comic reading. I certainly read, I don't know, the first 40 issues or so, bought them back in the day, thought they were great. Obviously, it's Todd McFarlane, the guy's a legend, but never had, had read all of it, right? And uh, recently, we know Todd has, has launched his Spawn universe, and he's hoping organically it'll grow and do a, a kind of a shared superhero universe that's bigger than just Spawn and bigger than Spawn-related characters. Uh, and he's inviting plenty of creators to to come and write and draw and create in his what he's calling Spawn Universe right now, but may morph into something else. So, you know, being that I'm reading Gunslinger Spawn and I'm reading uh, King Spawn and Scorched is soon to be out. And they're referencing things that I don't have any idea about because I haven't read S Spawn in like 260 issues. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, you know what, how can I remedy this? Well, I just need to read all 300 plus issues of Spawn, right? Well, as yeah. long as I'm going to be reading them, you guys know me, why not talk about them? So next year we will do uh, a, an issue a day, basically. There's, you know, 320 -ish issues, let's say. Um, and so that, you know, 365 days in a year, that gives us about a 40 day cushion. If we can miss here or there, which might happen, uh, but why not kick it off? to coincide with the 12 days of the comic source by doing 12 days of Spawnmas. So in the 12 days leading up to Christmas, we're going to be talking about each of these issues uh, in turn. Now, what Rocky and I discovered in reading the first couple issues is this stuff, at least for me, at least for the first two issues, it has really held up. I mean, you got to admit that McFarlane's style and artistic talent is timeless right that's always going to stand the test of time if you like comic book art if you like dynamic art with detail and big giant capes and chains and spikes you're always going to love todd mcfarland's art but in terms of the story you know rocky and i were talking about it how much people hated mcfarland's writing on spider-man uh it's a bit hokey especially the dialogue even here in spawn he tends to get a little wordy at times but i gotta say you know despite the fact that some of these are are a little the, the ideas are, are a little tropey. They're classic tropes, you know, a deal with the devil, um, you know, losing your wife and, and having her married best friend, sacrificing, losing memory, like all this sort of stuff. Yeah, these are classic storytelling uh, threads. And so Very I don't so, yeah. necessarily blame Todd for diving into them. He's given them a different spin and, you know, it's with his fantastic art. So I think it's really holding up. I'm, I'm excited. I'm more excited. You know, I have to admit like doing this was, was sort of selfish in that it's like, well, I need to read, I, I feel like I need to read the whole run of spawn anyway. So why not podcast about it? But like needing to do it, feeling a little bit like homework, what's the silver lining? Well, I can podcast about it and that's how I'll take it back. But now I'm like, I'm getting actually excited to read this. I'm, I don't want to read too far ahead because if I'm going to start in the new year with issue 13 and, you know, head forward doing one a day, I don't want to read up to like issue 25 right now and then have to go back and reread. Um, not that I wouldn't enjoy it, but I, I don't have time to be reading comics twice these days, honestly. Uh, but I'm getting excited to, to read these and get caught up. So I don't know. How do you feel, Rocky, after uh, checking out the first couple of issues? Uh, well, 
the same way I feel after reading issues, uh, this, this third issue here, you know, a lot of tropes, but in a good way, in a good way. This, uh, you know, this is, uh, this third issue comes out in, uh, you know, August of 1992. This is, you could tell reading this issue, it deals with corporate greed, uh, obvious corporate, the corporate boss, misogynist hitting on his secretary, the scumbag. McFarlane goes out of his way to make it very clear who the bad guys are and the good guys are in this. Very, very tropey, but in, in a fun way, in a good way, in a way that, frankly, in today's politically sensitive, overly sensitive times, maybe he couldn't get away with now. But this was this was at the end of the corporate greed of the 80s. This was the early years. 92 was the early years of the Clinton administration. And, and uh, we, but we still had that sort of corporate mentality. This was the beginning of the corporate, uh, I remember, I remember 92, I was my first year of law school. That was really the first time where there was a affirmative action and there was a, a, a great growth of uh, the, the politics change. Identity politics was in its infancy or mu much less developed than it is now. And uh, the exposition, exposition heavy. I mean, so many things are re-explained in issues one. It's re-explained in issue two. The basic plot is re-explained in the, in the narrative captions of issue three. So bearing in mind you had a month break between each issue i literally don't have to read issues one and two to know and it's not just because i'm reading reading issue three right away but a lot of exposition but i i'm really enjoying this and remember it actually when comics makes, used to do that remember yeah, when I know. comics used to give you a recap within the story itself and i i don't mind it i find myself strangely i i kind of enjoy it it's it's kind of refreshing not to always have to go back and I have to reread and and because nowadays the narrative habits of a lot of writers, I think it's a lot a little bit of self pretension in some of them. They don't want to rehash and they don't want to they want to minimize the caption boxes to always show off the art. And here though, with with McFarlane, you 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 can see uh, as as we get going, you can see that there's well, I guess we 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 blot we blotted out all the narration, but you'll see by the number of 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 what you blocked out that there was a quite a amount of exposition here uh but at the same time it still allowed mark mcfarland's uh trademark art to shine through yeah the other part of that and you know marvel does it dc refuses to do it in terms of recapping because you know like go back a perfect example go back and either read or listen to our uh at, either read civil war marvel superheroes uh secret wars not civil war secret wars either go back and and read Marvel Superhero Secret Wars or go listen to our podcast episodes that go issue by issue. And and it happens in every single issue of the series. They spend a page or two in the beginning. Hey, here's what's happened so far. That, that used to be a very common thing. Writers always were told when they were coming up that you have to write every comic as if it's someone's first comic. And so if, <laughs> if issue three of Spawn is someone's first comic, they, they're going to need a little bit of explanation about how we got here. Well, what Marvel does these days is they, they do, you know, inside the front cover, they'll, they'll have that paragraph and say, Hey, basically this is what's been going on, what's going on. Um, and I, I, I sort of feel like it's a, um, it's a consequence of the fact that comics are only 22, 20 pages now, a lot of times rather than 22 or 24, like they were back in the day. So you're already losing um, space. And so for that reason, you don't necessarily have space to do that sort of recap. So again, Marvel solves that problem by doing that, uh, that paragraph. And for whatever reason, I think because Dan Didio 
didn't like it. Uh, they've never done it at, at, uh, at DC. But I remember when Bendis came over, you know, coming from Marvel, he was used to having that sort of crutch and on his action run, especially they would do a, a splash page that had all these, you know, it would be like Lois Lane's desk at the daily planet and it would have all these clues and post-its and emails would be open on the screen or whatnot. And it would, yeah. it would give you enough clues that you could kind of jog your memory if you had had you know read the issue before it wouldn't necessarily be a recap in terms of detail that you would get in a inside a marvel book but it would be close and uh, i think that you're right like this spawn book is is of the 90s it's it's still in that time where doing recaps was was much more common it, it was probably when it started to go away in the nineties where you wouldn't see a book re recap itself in its own pages during, you know, during the first couple of, uh, of pages of the story. But I, I agree with you, like as much as, you know, when you're a kid, you would, you, it would be a month, right? There, there wasn't a lot of binge reading. There wasn't, it wasn't like you were picking these all up digitally and reading them all at once. Like, yeah. you know, even if you were buying back issues um, it was rare that you would, be able to find a big long run and, and, you know, read them all back to back to back. So having those recaps made uh, a lot of sense and, and yeah, spawn is, it is 92. It is of its time and it, it does uh, involve those. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't necessarily mind it. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, circulation back then just in general was uh, bigger circulation numbers than, than we have now. Uh, we mentioned issue one and, and, Keep in mind that Todd McFarlane was the biggest comic artist, biggest comic creator of the day. Well, issue one of Spawn, we, we mentioned, sold 1.7 copies. Now, I wish that we actually had data. So 1.7 million copies. Yeah, 1.7. What did I say? 1.7. Oh, yeah. You 1. forgot 7 the million. million. Yeah, 1.7 million <laughs> copies. Now, uh, I don't have sales numbers for issue two. I looked everywhere to try to find them. I don't have sales numbers for issue three either. Eventually, we're you know as we go on, we'll get to the point where Comicron, which is a fantastic um, resource, will have uh, will have that, and we'll we'll talk about, we'll give the sales numbers when we can. Um, but yeah, I wish that we that we did. I mean, I I, I couldn't even venture a guess. I mean, obviously, one point seven for the first one. You got to think that the second issue must have at least sold in the hundreds of thousands, right? I mean, yeah. could it have not? I mean, uh, any... I'm, I'm sure it would have. Good Lord. I'm sure it would have. Yeah. So again, I, you know, I wish I had those numbers, but, uh, but unfortunately I, I don't, but uh, anyway, let's talk a little bit about what, what happens in, in the third issue. So it starts off. And again, we, we have a lot of exposition from, from spawn from Al Simmons as he's standing in the alley. You can see all those black boxes where we redacted it. And he's, He's basically, he's standing in the alley and this is where he's sort of rehashing. This is where he's thinking to himself about, hey, what's happened? Why has my memory been erased? Why don't I have my life anymore? And, and in, in this way, this is how McFarland gets us up to speed uh, for anybody who hasn't been following along um, about what the first couple issues of Spawn have been about. That you, you get enough here with Spawn thinking to himself about what he's been through recently to get caught to, to get to know what's going on in the series to be brought up to speed uh so it starts off with him rem remembering his, his wife's name but again there's an in-story reason right it's not just 
hey, here's a paragraph on the inside cover like Marvel's doing now that that basically says, here's what's been going on. So he also thinks about having met um, the Violator last issue and, and what that might be. And, you know, he, he really, he's really having a tough time. You know, he's remembered his wife's name. He sacrificed his humanity, his soul, uh, and, and realizes he got a bad deal. The fact that he can't turn himself back into an African-American man, he can only turn himself into a white man. Uh, and his, his, he looks like hamburger, right? Like his face is all burned up. He's all scarred. He knows he's, he got tricked, right? Deal with the devil. <laughs> seen better <It's>, days. <laughs> yeah. He, de- he, he definitely has seen better days. So uh, as we turn the page, we meet uh, the guy that he made the deal with um, and, and learn that, I, you know, they don't come right out and say, they, they don't say his name. Devil. Does he have or a he, name? Yeah, he does. I'm trying to uh, remember. I'm trying what to, it I, is. Um, but I don't think he's named in the actual issue. I think he's named later yeah, on. Isn't he's, he? Yeah, yeah, he's named. Um, oh, he's God. named later on. Uh, I think in issue four. But um, Malabalgia, Malabalgia. Yeah, yeah, nev- yeah. I've never known how <laughs> Malabalgia how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Uh, it's never been clear to me, but yeah, I mean, ba- basic, basic. I mean, they call him the devil, yeah. um, Malabolgia. Malabolgia. Uh, but yeah, okay. he, he, yeah, he isn't named in his in his first appearance here. But he, it's not clear. It sort of seems like from the context of what he has to say that he can read um, Al Simmons' mind. You know the thoughts, and he's thinking, "Oh, you, you pathetic fool, you maggot, you didn't read the fine print. You know, I've been doing this for a long time." Uh, I'm going to make your life a living hell. I'm going to use you to capture other mortal souls. And <laughs> basically just, you know, it's, it's a lot of sort of demonic dialogue. I guess you'd say it's not the the best. It's, again, it's showing McFarland's a little rough around the edges when it comes to, to dialogue, but he definitely is a mustache twirling type type villain. Um, and I never really thought that his design was that scary. I mean, he's got like this bulging stomach and, what looks like bad old lady hair. And uh, I don't know. I never really, I I just thought his design could have been better. I mean, I feel the same way about Violator. They don't really come across as scary to me. And you mentioned that you alluded to that uh, in our previous reviews of the first two issues, because even the toy figures, uh, no one wanted the Violator figure because it, because yeah. they look bloated, fat. They look disgusting. They look devilish, but, and horrific, but they look disgusting. And, and like you said, there's probably a reason why those Violator action figures are probably worth more on eBay than the Spawn and Angela action figures because nobody wanted to have the Vi- the Violator Elder or the uh, Mala or Malabolgia figure. So yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. Yeah, it's and I just find it, I just find it strange. You know, I mean, Todd McFarlane again. This is the height of his artistic powers, and he I don't know. I just I find the design to be a little bit strange. But anyway, after he gets done with his couple pages of exposition, we check in on Sam and Twitch, who we've talked about before, a couple of cops for NYPD. Um, and Sam is, is sort of complaining that they keep burying him under reports when they should be out looking for the guy who's killing all the mafia people, which we know to be the violators going around pulling the hearts out of people. Uh, meanwhile, Spawn's plan to find out who his wife is, he, he, he's remembered that he worked for the CIA. He remembers his wife's name is Wanda. Um, so he thinks the best way for him to find out is to go to CIA headquarters 
and they must have a file on him with his wife's address. And so he does go there and he sees one of his old uh, colleagues sexually harassing his secretary. <laughs> and this is where he, he sort of shows uh, his true colors. The fact that Al Simmons is a, a heroic person at heart, you know, a moral person at heart. So he threatens the guy says, Hey, you need to, you need to pay your child support because you haven't paid any alimony or child support since your divorce. And you need to stop abusing your secretary. If you ever lay hands on her again, I'll come back and, yeah. you know, you'll but be sorry. This is, this is where I, this is where I thought this was so funny. I mean, it's not enough that this guy, this, the CIA guy, it's not enough that he's a misogynist pig. He treats his secretary like shit. You know, he's, he's a sexist. At one point he says to his secretary, you know, uh, you got to do more with your lips than just, uh, you know, taste food, you know, you know, and he, I, I got something you can do with those lips. I mean, this is blatantly hitting yeah. on, you know, trying to get his secretary to cheat on her husband with the, with the boss. And then to top it off, that wasn't enough. McFarlane had to make him a deadbeat dad who doesn't pay yeah. child support. I mean, he just, he keeps adding on as if, I mean, there was no subtlety here as to this guy. There was no nuance. This guy is an asshole, plain and simple. And McFarlane just goes full bore. I mean, it just cries out 80s and, and early 90s. <laughs> Bad guy. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like Todd was worried. Well, if I don't make this guy unlikable enough <laughs> then it, you know people might think that that uh spawn is is overreacting or what have you so yeah, yeah he makes him as unli unlikable as as uh, possible completely lecherous yeah ha never pays his alimony or his child support it just yeah oh uh, my favorite line little... one of my favorite lines is when spawn says to him either pay your child support or your wife will collect on your life insurance policy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who says good. that Todd McFarlane can't turn a phrase? Yeah, he's now. good. There's, there's humor in this comic. And there, actually, there's been humor. There's really good humor and good dialogue, particularly between Sam and Twitch, the detectives. I thought, you know, I got to give McFarlane credit here. This was a, a genuine surprise when you compare this to how how he was at telling a story in his early Spider-Man work, which wasn't very good when he, in his early uh, issues of Spider-Man. Uh, but no, this was... You know, like I said, this is this is good fun late '80s, early '90s dialogue. It, it it works. Yeah, the other thing that's funny about it, right, is <laughs> or ironic, maybe funny, not necessarily how how funny is. You know, we you just mentioned how criticized McFarlane was for his early Spider-Man work. Then he comes and he does this, and people it, people are saying the same thing. That's not written very well, blah blah. So, is that a comment on? the writing of comics today, right? Like, like without noticing has the writing in comics today degraded to the point that we look back on Todd McFarlane, early spawn issues and say, well, that right, that writing in comparison to nowadays is actually pretty good. It is. I don't, it is. I don't, I, 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 I you know, I, I, it, it, it's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know that you can make that broad statement and say in general comics today are not written as well. Um, but he could hold his own. Then, McFarlane could hold his own yeah. with this. Well, and the other thing is, is it, it's such a different aesthetic now. You know, you talked about it yourself, how they don't want to cover up the art and, you know, things aren't recapped. It's just, it's a different time. It's hard to compare. Uh, it, it would be like comparing like baseball teams from, you know, yeah. like the 1927 Yankees to like the, you know, 2013 Seattle Mariners or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're so, the, the era is so different. It makes it, it makes it hard to make that comparison, but if that's the reason that this is holding up, then hey, I'm 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 glad that 
that that's the case. So uh, anyway, Spawn does succeed in getting the file about himself. And when he reads it, he says, God, save me. No. When he finds out uh, something in her file, she's living in Queens and he says it can't be. And we're about to find out just what that is. Again, he uses a little bit of his power to transform himself. And he's, he's complaining that all he can ever do is turn him in, turn himself into a white guy with blonde hair. <laughs> that makes it even worse. <laughs> feels like he looks like a beach bum, but he, but he is nervous to go and, and talk to her and see her for the first time. feels like a, a kid on the first date. And it's a little hokey here. This might have been one of the things that maybe a misstep um, because when he rings the doorbell, she comes out in this, I don't even know. I mean, it's a dress, but it's clearly McFarland is no fashion designer. This oh. thing is ugly. It's got like mesh showing off like half a boob on each side and, and the arms. And Obviously, I mean, I'm still caught in the early 90s, Chase. I think she looks gorgeous here. I mean, come on. I, I, I'm not saying that she doesn't look attractive. I'm saying that that is one hell of an ugly dress. I think it's one hell of an ugly dress anyway. Well, I love the V-neck. I, I love the V, the open V for the breast yeah, just, situation there. Uh, I mean, it, like it, yeah. it, it looks more like something a stripper would wear or a, a hooker than, you know, something she would wear to. Um, I guess that says a lot about me. Thanks. Yeah. She's, she's like, I got this big, I got this big business party to go to. That's what you're going to wear to a business party. All that skin, like, eh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it seems like something uh, maybe a celebrity would wear to to like the Academy Awards or something because they know it shows off so much skin it's going to get everybody talking, you know. But anyway, Al Simmons, you know, it, 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 it's the equivalent of having been in prison, right? He hasn't seen a woman in, in years, five years. And this is a woman that he's seen, presumably has seen naked. It was his wife. Um, yeah. And he loves her and he gave up his soul for her and he's come back and made all these sacrifices. And he, she answers the door wearing, you know, a very revealing dress. So, you know, he, he's a bit speechless and he had this whole thing uh, prepared about, Hey, I'm from the SPCA and we're going around checking uh, if people are taking care of their dogs, blah, blah, blah. And then as she's standing there talking to him, her daughter walks up. Now this is really, really twisting the knife for Al Simmons. Cause here's the thing. He knows that his wife, Wanda is her name, by the way, Wanda Blake. Uh, and I will take a moment to point out that Todd McFarlane's wife is named Wanda. So obviously that's where that name comes from. But anyway, Wanda Blake, Al Simmons' wife, always wanted a child. She always wanted to be a mom, but they were never able to conceive. So he's gone for five years. She remarries, and lo and behold, she's able to have a kid. So that that's like, like I said, twisting the knife, proving well, that the, the reason they couldn't have a kid is <laughs> – it was him. He was shooting blanks or had something wrong with his plumbing. It wasn't her. That makes him feel even worse. And he faints, like you know, of all things, he faints right in front of her. I so mean, he, co he comes, Chase, he comes back as a California beach bum and yep. discovers he also has a low sperm count. I mean, this, this just <laughs> rips him apart. I mean, you got to feel sorry for this guy. I mean, the white skin is bad enough, but the low sperm count, I mean, come on. I mean, no wonder he's absolutely devastated. No wonder the devil is laughing behind his back, pointing and laughing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's part of the point, right? Why he was chosen, why uh, Maldrabolgia chose him to, to be the guy. But but at the same time, just like with the the CIA guy that was hitting on his secretary where there was no subtlety, there's no subtlety here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, finally, I'm just going to keep piling it on, okay? Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you lost your memories. 
Okay, yeah. so you 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 look like hamburger. Yeah. Your skin's all gone. Your hair's burned. You lost off. your sperm. <laughs> yeah, you, you you found out that your boys can't swim. Uh, you can only turn yourself into a white guy. Uh, you can only have blonde hair. Just yeah, piling on. Um, which kind of makes you wonder why how he doesn't just snap, you know? And yeah. and and we did neglect to uh, mention that. Malabolgia was happy when Spawn threatened that former colleague, that lecherous guy from, from the CIA. Cause Malabolgia was like, yeah, give in to your violent tendencies. That's what I need. Right. Like given yeah. to the dark side, if you will, to, yeah. to borrow a star Wars reference. So but there was anyway. one positive thing. The one positive thing is that the dog, the dog at least showed yeah. some sign of knowing it was Al, you know? Yeah. Yeah. His wife even says, ah, oh, look, the, the you know, dog likes you. Nobody, it, it was my late husband's dog. She hasn't warmed up to anybody since uh, he died. But the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet, that's also a pile on for, uh, for Al Simmons is not only is his, his ex-wife remarried, she got married to his best friend. Ooh, another knife. <laughs> I mean, Oh my God. I, I mean, that's oh. now granted. It, it's, it's not like he got divorced and it's because that's to me, that's unforgivable. You you would never yeah. do that. You, you know, your, your friend divorces a woman and then you turn around your best friend divorces a woman. You turn around and marry her. No, you, that just, that's unacceptable. That, that, no, it can't happen, but he was dead. And, and they eventually, you know, it didn't happen right away, but eventually they found comfort in each other's arms, but still he, for him, he's back. And to see his wife with somebody else, but at the same time, he loves her so much that he, and there's a lot of exposition here. Again, he, He's talking to his own wife and his best friend, and he's saying, I miss my wife, you know, but I can't bring myself to intrude on her happiness. I know she has everything she ever wanted now, and, and they don't realize, Terry and Wanda obviously don't realize, that this blonde stranger is is talking about Wanda. So, again, it's just the twist yeah. of the knife and and, and us I, realizing just how bad spawn has it really yeah and you know just to reemphasize again and and for those uh those watching on youtube can see all the all that you blocked out in terms of the exposition but for those listening on the podcast there's a lot of exposition here and what's extraordinary about this is we 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 actually don't need most of this exposition yet it doesn't take away from the narrative but we really don't need i mean He's got a low sperm count. He's a white guy. He's supposed to be black. He's lost his wife. I mean, only his dog recognizes him. I mean, uh, the devil, has, he's made a deal with the devil. We can imagine what he's feeling. We don't actually need all this description. In fact, it's, I, I'm, you know, I know one of, a, a modern day writer would would allow the artist to to create very, you know, facial expressions to convey the emotion and allow the reader to imagine what what uh, Al Simmons is feeling. But here, McFarlane goes out of his way to spell it out for the reader, I think unnecessarily, but yet at the, at the same time, as we said earlier, there's something strangely enticing about this with McFarlane sort of spelling it out for the reader, not really allowing us to come to our own determination as to what Al Simmons is feeling. We're we're really literally being told. So it's an interesting, it's a more direct kind of storytelling than what I think we're accustomed to nowadays. Yeah, and I think it does also, you know, as, as much as we're praising McFarland for for really doing a better job of of writing this than he probably got credit for at the time, it is a little bit of a sign of a uh, Dated. a rookie writer, right? Yeah. It's a bit of a rookie writer mistake to to not let the art tell the story, especially when your art's as good as McFarland. So but anyway, Al's pretty upset, as you you can imagine. He screams out, no, why? Why are you torturing me? Sadistic pleasure. You want my soul? Come and get it. Like, he is fired up. 
screaming at who he doesn't know because he doesn't actually and has not yet met or doesn't have memory of Malabolgia who's who's taken it. and it's I love it. He doesn't blame Terry, he doesn't blame Wanda. He blames this this devil that he made the deal with, saying, You've taken Wanda from me, you've taken my face, you've taken my existence, uh you've shown that it was my fault that we couldn't have a child. How can I ethically in the middle of that? If you're gonna screw me, I'm gonna screw you. Uh, you want my soul? Come and get it. Let's see who's got the power. And as if on cue, we're told, then uh, the Violator shows up. And this is where we we see Spawn discover, as we discovered last issue, that this dumpy little clown-looking guy uh, is is actually the Violator. That's his, his disguise, and he uses his power that he also got from Malabolgia to turn into a Violator. And Spawn's like, you know what? I don't know who or what you are, but I don't really care because I'm pissed off. And I'm ready to beat the crap out of something. So, uh, Violator's not used to being stood up to, number one. Number two, he's used to being able to just reach into somebody, rip out their heart, and that be the end of it, right? And his job is to, to sort of keep an eye on Spawn, or at least that's what he's been told. So without hesitation, he does reach right into Al Simmons' chest, rips out his heart, and says, well, that was no big deal. He's like, this guy was supposed to be special to to the big guy, to my boss, obviously not special enough. You know, people need to fear the violator and he starts walking away. And then uh, hears a voice from behind him softly say violator who said anything about me being human. And, and we see that spawn is standing up. He's recovered, but he's got a gaping hole in his chest where we see some green light um, emanating from. And uh, we're told next issue, all hell breaks loose on earth. So uh, it leads into the big, big confrontation between violator and spawn on earth. So, yeah, a lot of fun and really well paced. Got a big chunk of story here. You know, it was, I sort of feel like the first issue introduced Spawn. Second issue introduced Violator, who's going to be a big part of the story, at least early on. And this third issue, we really start moving forward with the story of, of Al Simmons. Like, we are given a lot of information about all the things that are sort of stacked against him here um, and starting to understand his his position in terms of how much he loves his wife that he's willing to, to let her go. Um, but also the fact that if he, if he's going to get a chance to lash out, if he's going to get a chance to use his powers to um, sort of as a coping mechanism for everything he's dealing with, then he's going to start now and he's going to start by beating the out of the violator, apparently next issue. So yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm really surprised how well this holds up and I, I honestly don't remember enjoying this as much when I was reading them, uh, you know, when they came out. But again, I, I read these off the stand. You know, I, I read them off the, the comic rack, you know, bought them at the store, took them home, read them, put them in a bag and haven't read them since. So it's been what, almost 30 years, it's been 29 years since I've actually read this. And yeah, really, really uh, enjoying it. So uh, anything else to add about this issue, Rocky, before we well, wrap up? Just one of the things that uh, Todd McFarlane in early interviews when before Spawn came out and, and during it was, you know, he, he always he compared Spawn to, to Batman and saying the one thing that Spawn can do that Batman can't and that Superman can't because Superman and Batman were, are too corporate. And at that time, Spawn was a new character. And people have to remember that, you know, he he didn't know that Spawn would necessarily be as successful at, on the longest running independent comic of all time, uh, although he had hopes. Uh, the idea is that Spawn can kill and Spawn has, you know, Spawn is a killer. I mean, Al Simmons did work, does, does, did work for the government. And also every time Spawn uses his power, 
he becomes that much closer to dying a second time after which his soul, he will permanently reside in hell. So he's got a vested interest, not only in accomplishing his objectives, but using as little of his power as possible. And so if he has an opportunity to, to eliminate a problem, he's going to do it and he's going to kill it. He's not going to, he's not going to like save a villain uh, like that's sim- like Batman would the Joker. No, Spawn is going to eliminate it. And you, you got a sense that, that more was at stake with, uh, with Al Simmons and, you got a sense of the gravitas of his and the perils of his situation. And it was magnified precisely because of McFarlane's very stark and black and white contrast between these are the bad guys here and these are the good guys. Al is a really good guy, even though he was a killer. He's got a gorgeous wife. His wife, Wanda, it was established, created a foundation uh, for disabled children <laughs> in, his, in her husband's name. I mean, she's just like, and she looks gorgeous. I mean, she's got a beautiful daughter. I mean, this the stark contrast between the bad and the good in these first three issues is is right there. And it's obvious, which which makes the the and we'll get into it in the, in the next uh, three issues as we as we move toward these 12 days of spawn miss that. You know, it, it really drives home what's going to happen. And of course, those those moments where Spawn ultimately has to confront the devil and and some other uh, and, and a certain serial serial killer, serial killer that will 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 get into as the story progresses. But I really like this and uh, I've got a new appreciation for Spawn. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward as we keep keep counting down these Christmas 12 days. Yeah, I agree uh, 100%. So uh, we hope you're following along. We hope you're enjoying them as well. If, you, if We haven't mentioned this before. We probably should. Uh, if you don't have any of these issues, uh, they're available relatively cheaply on, on Comixology. Uh, I think if you have Comixology Unlimited, um, that they're, they're a part of that. If you don't, you know, you can buy digital packages. Yeah, I picked up the cool. first six issues for, I think it was three ninety nine for the first six yeah, issues of less, spawn and yeah. i thought that was a heck of a deal and that's of course you're, you're probably better off for for the for, for double that price you get you get access to all the entire library of comiXology so you might just want to just get a monthly subscription yep uh agreed so uh anyway we hope you guys are enjoying it don't forget to check out our other uh 12 days of the comic source content we got plenty of other stuff coming out for you um and if you're, you're watching us on uh youtube be sure you head over to your favorite podcast platform or uh, application, do a search for the comic source and subscribe so you don't miss any of our audio content. If you're listening audio only, when you get a chance, head over to YouTube. Do a search for comic space boom exclamation point. That's Rocky's channel. That's where we release uh, a lot of the videos for the collaborations that we do. Uh, And you don't want to miss any of that stuff either or any of the in-depth stuff that Rocky does uh, on his own. So uh, give him a subscribe, ring that notification bell so you know when new content comes out as well as liking this video. So uh, again, we want to wish everybody happy holidays, whatever it is you celebrate. We hope it's a joyous time. Maybe you celebrate Spawnmas, the new uh, holiday season that we have uh, created here. So uh, be sure you tune in tomorrow for uh, episode four. Like I said, check out our, all our other uh, holiday content that's coming out this week, this couple weeks leading into Christmas. And uh, we appreciate you guys joining us as always. So we will talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. 
If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.